from high school. It's, this is the summer before he heads off to Duke University. And he's got certain insecurities. Like, um, you know, he, we are in the head of an 18, 19-year-old. And so you're seeing the world through his eyes. And uh, so he's gotten certain insecurities. He's got, you know, he's a very good athlete. He's a cross-country runner, but um, he's, he's, he's insecure socially. And, uh, and by the end of the book, um, he's completely changed. I won't spoil that. The bottom line is he's, he, well, I, I put him through his paces. So then you've got Michael. That's in, in current day. He gets drawn back to the, the time when Vikings actually settled, and they did um, actually visit and settle North America. A lot of people don't know that, but there was a period of time where they came into um, Canada and all the way, you know, arguably all the way down to Maine. That's how I wrote it. But we know that they, that they uh, settled in Vinland, um, they called it, but up, up there uh, in on eastern Canada. And, um, and so he gets placed into the body of another Viking. So it's another young Viking, but it's not himself. It's not like he physically gets transported back in time. He gets transported back in time and placed into the body of another person. Yet there's still, and, and this other person is completely different than him, yet, and, and you know, the much more outgoing, like, and, and much more confident, and there's still residual effects of that other personality and that, and, and that other person, uh, in Maytock is his name, and uh, so Michael basically transforms into Maytock, and, and Michael's still Michael, you know, but Maytock is, there, there are pieces of him that are still there, like his skill with fighting and, and these other things that, that Michael begins to, to discover, these skills that he has. Um, and he, uh, he, he gets really, really put through his paces, and by the end of the story, um, he's, he's overcome quite <laughs> He's a completely different person, I'll say it that way, at the end of the story. Again, I, I, you know, I, I don't know if your readers like or your listeners like spoilers or not, but, but I, I'll, I'll refrain from them. That's difficult to do. Difficult. It is. It's difficult to do because some people might not realize it's really just the same person with a whole other different look and a whole different personality trying to survive mm-hmm. in another timeline. So even though he knows he's he's there, but he's not there, so it's kind of kind of scary. Oh yeah, yeah. I really wrestled with how to do it, and and there are there are lots of other books that kind of like Outlander is a is a good example. Um, but you know, she actually physically gets transported back in time. Here, he is. You know, all of him is back in time, but he's simply in the body of someone else. And some of his traits, you know, his personality all is, is still the same. But, you know, there's still he can still feel as it feels certain things from this other this other Viking, the um, whose whose body he's basically possessed. Um, and uh, and then he gets and he goes on and gets well anyway he gets to meet all the all the interesting influences upon him and how he got back in in, in time. That's scary. So tell us about Gabby. Uh, she's so Gabby is Mike. Yeah, so Gabby is Michael's twin sister, okay? So Gabby and Michael were twins. Yeah. Uh, Gabby was like the, the opposite of Michael. Gabby was very outgoing. Um, she was, you know, not socially awkward, anything like that. And, and Michael and her had just a very, very close, loving relationship. 
and so he was crushed. Like she actually disappeared. Uh, I think it was three, no five years. Anyway, several several years earlier, she had actually disappeared. And um, actually, when they were vacationing in Maine, and uh, so they were vacationing, she disappears. And um, lo and behold, he's here five years later, and 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 basically her spirits start to interact with him again. But but Gabby was very again very outgoing. You know the you know fire hair, uh, you know outgoing fire hair personality as well. And um, she mm. shows up and really just in spirit form. So like by the time he gets thrown back in time and he gets placed in this body, he's trying to figure out, like, why am I here? What am I trying to do? Like, what is going on? But he's just, like, for the for the first probably 30% of the book, he's just trying to figure things out. And um, and so finally he figures out, my gosh, you know, I'm probably here for to do something. And, and so Gabby shows up and leaves him periodically. Um, but it's like it's, her, her instructions are a bit cryptic. She never mm. kind of stays quite long enough for him to um, for him to really get a firm grasp on what in the world's going on, and uh, you know that helps add to the mystery to the book. But um, but it's also a lot like life. Life is never that way. Life never gives you all the answers up front. You never know the, all the whys. I didn't want. I have this odd question. Are, yeah, are you, is this a, is, is this a standalone, or is it going to be more? Well, it, it's definitely written so there could be more. So I'm going to say this: we'll see how well the book does. I love the, I uh-huh. love the characters. I love the premise. Um, you'll notice in the end, um, it is definitely wide open for a sequel. Um, so it is most it, it can most definitely be a sequel. We'll see what the fans say though, because if if it gets great reception, then yes, I I, I could definitely see myself continuing on. Um, but uh, it doesn't have to. I'll say it that way, it doesn't have to. It can definitely be a scandal. See, I think that from the ending. Yeah. I know these things. I just find I don't know why. Uh oh, my mm-hmm. other. Thing is gonna fall. Yeah, that's my husband's. Okay, I got him. Mm-hmm. His his okay. boy. He put it under my foot. That doesn't help. <laughs> so he finds himself in the past, and how does he react? And who captures him, and why? I mean, that's scary enough. Right, right. So he's he finds himself in the body, like I say, in the body of a Norseman, and he is he's he's a rower. So he is he's on this Viking ship. And uh, he finds himself um, having to figure out rowing very, very quickly. And they literally are trying to help this huge hailstorm shoots them up. And um, and so, you know, who finds him? Well, he's found by. Uh, well, he. It takes a while for for one of his his friends to even figure out kind of what what has happened to him. And uh, so he, he has a, a confidant um, and, uh, you know, a trifing, we, we call him, and uh, really helps out a lot. And actually come to find out this isn't the first time that this has happened to Maytok. One time when they were very, very young, the same thing happened to where, anyway, the bottom line is trifing is not completely caught off guard when, when he finds out that Maytok has been 
basically possessed by someone else, and here's Michael trying to figure his way out. So Triping is a confidant of his and uh, kind of walks through the story with him at, at, and, and really helps, um, you know, actually really helps the reader understand um, the, the full situation. And, um, and there is, you know, Viking, I had to study, I had to study the Viking, like the culture, and I, I really had to, because there are a lot of preconceived notions that we have about them that I discovered just are not true. Um, and, uh, and so there were, you know, a lot, anyway, I won't go into all of them. The bottom line is I, I wove all that in and there is, you know, one Viking who's in charge of this raiding party and he and Maytok, Michael, uh, do not get along. There is, there's a lot of conflict there. Um, there is a, a lot of competition there. Um, you know, Maytok is probably favored to be the next chieftain. Uh, and um, and this this other this other um, this other Viking is power hungry and is struggling with that and, and ultimately it leads to um, you know a, a fight at the uh, at the very end but it's not just between him and this his rival it's 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 tribes it's it's spirits it's everything is is warring in this in this final epic battle and. Um, I hope I answered your question. <laughs> I think I, I kind of I kind of ran around it a little bit, but did I did I answer that well enough for you? So this this is an interesting thing. I mean, at times I think everybody would like to live in the body of another person, not get captured, but you know, change who mm-hmm. you are, look younger, older, whatever, mm-hmm. be a different person. Yeah. So how could someone live in the body of another person? And how does he deal with the people that are capturing him? Because he's pretty, you know, he gets a little bit braver in this, in this timeline. Right. No, he, he definitely is. He's forced to be. Um, and also, again, there's there's a little bit of the of the residual of his of the Viking that he's possessing, like becomes a bit more part of him. Such as when, like, how does he deal with it? At first, he just questions it a lot. You know, he has to figure out, uh, you know, who am I? And and, um, and and his big thing is, how the heck do I get home? How do I get back? Um, he figures out that he's in the same place, like physically. So he was up in Maine when he got taken back in time. And he figures out very quickly that, um, oh, he's in Maine. Um, and in the same place as just a, a much earlier time. And and so he uh, he he's he's struggling with okay then how do I get back that's when that's when Gabby his well the spirit of Gabby comes back and visits him at several key times and he basically just has to see it through he has to go along he says well you know maybe he's just supposed to go along with this raiding party maybe after he helps rescue like the the, the raiding party is actually there to rescue their chieftain's daughter has been kidnapped and and oh by the way. The kidnapped daughter—he's never seen her, right? But the kidnapped daughter of their chieftain—the description sounds a lot like, lot like Gabby. And so that's when mm-hmm. he starts thinking, okay, maybe I need to, you know, maybe it's because like I wasn't there for Gabby when she died. So maybe I need to go through and, and rescue her now, maybe in this earlier time, and then I'll be released. He just—he doesn't know, and. Um, Honestly, he just 
even at the very, very end, no one doesn't see the full picture of what is going on because we haven't spoken about it yet, but not only do we see things in through the eyes of, not only do we see things through the eyes of, of Michael or Matok, you know, those are the same. We also see the world through the eyes of um, Fiona, who is one of the, the natives. Um, and then a third major point of view is also through one of the, the eyes of the spirit world, which is a demon, a specific demon who is trying to kill Matok the entire time. That's what his goal is. To, is to kill him, but yet there there are other spiritual forces that Mike, Michael doesn't even know about. Maytock doesn't even know about, but uh, they're they're fighting for him the entire time. That's scary. It's really scary. <laughs> so the scene that really got me, hmm, I don't like this guy at all. How did you create the scenes in the jungle with Stryker, and why was he after him? I don't like that guy at all. Okay, so Stryker is, uh, I had to build the entire world. Um, so there's, there's this entire spirit world that, that comes into play. And, um, and so that whole spirit world had to be built with everything from uh, hierarchies to um, motivations to, like, I mean, you can't just say a, a demon that he does this or does that. You need to you want to give the reader like, well, why? Like, why is he doing that? And so I had to build in the motivations and, and, and all of that. So this, this, this um, I, how did I come up with it? Um, you know, I wanted uh, the, the, the demons, well, I'll, I'll go back this way. But the, when I did research for um, the, we'll call them the Algonquin people um, up there in that particular area, the natives at the time, there were several different, uh, tribes, lots of tribes actually up in that area. I chose two of them to kind of be the center of the, the Abenaki and the Micmac. Um, and then, but as I read and I looked into it, I learned that they practice shamanism. And so um, I, in order to kind of get the view of the world, like of the spirit world, that, that kind of get inside, well, what would that look like? Um, I had to dive into and do some research on shamanism. And, you know, unfortunately there were no um, modern ways I could go and, and say, okay, you know, talk to a, an, an Algonquin shaman um, because they don't exist anymore. So I did the next best thing, and um, I was able to listen into an interview with a actually a, um, a shaman, a modern day shaman from. Oh wow! Um, oh yeah, yeah. It was uh, down in um, oh gosh, I can't remember this particular South American country, but he had converted to Christianity. And uh, so he, he, just, he just talked all about his experiences. He was a very, very spiritually sensitive person. And so I took all of that, and I wove that. I applied it to, I was like, well, you know, maybe it's not the exact same way. Like maybe the Algonquin shamanism was different, but I got to go with what I got, you know. So I took that, and I applied it to the story. And out popped Stryker, you know, the demon, the shape-shifting demon that was in, in the form of a uh, – Eastern Black Panther, and um, and he's uh, you know he's got his own motivations sent to clear the way for the, this migrating tribe and, and loan the whole here shows up Michael and he recognizes Michael as the enemy and so this entire time he's trying to kill Michael and uh, you know he he, he well. 
uh, again, I won't give any spoilers, but it, it's some very intense scenes. And um, one of my, did you enjoy the scene where where Stryker met um, Slaughter and um, yeah. the description yeah. of Slaughter and how that worked? Okay, that that was a stretch for me. Like um, I really had to go with. Uh, I remember a long time ago you asked me like how I got like when I, when we were doing the recall series and you would say, you know, how do you write these descriptive scenes, you know, with this guy low crawling through um, hills up in North Korea, actually, I think the second book. Um, anyway, so I did, I had to do the same thing, which is basically I had to just put myself in role. I had to go, okay, like if assume I was a demon and here's the world that I live in, like, what would this world look like? Who would the personalities be? And after you sort of meditate on that for a little bit and really get your mind, your head there, um, you know, the world becomes more apparent. And you don't write all of it, right, you know, because you would bore the, the reader to death. But you, you write, uh, uh, who was it, Alfred Hitchcock said, you know, uh, um, you know, good stories, basically life with all the boring parts taken out. You know, so you don't write everything in there. But you um, – but you you put the you know the most juicy pieces and the most juicy interactions and uh, and um, you know there's so there's conflict not only in the present world there's conflict even in the spiritual world and even among the demons that are in this world trying to kill our our hero there's even conflict there you know um, and uh, it was exciting I, I thoroughly enjoyed it enjoyed writing well, you know, it. Well, that's what I was going to bring well, up. Next, I, I created a book. My next book is called Population Zero, A World Without People. And all it's a bunch of worlds. A world with no sun, okay. a world with a decrepit forest, a world with ice. It's like, and I'm looking at it, I'm saying, yeah. My first, somebody commented about my book and said it was really good, but they could smell the, the air. So, oh, wow. this see. Yeah, I was like, and he didn't like it. He said, I, it's very well written. He said, it's really good, but it was depressing. I said, it's supposed to get people to wake up. What would you do if you lived in a world without people? And it's population oh, wow. zero. And I invited a dead person to come back and experience each of my worlds. I don't know why I thought of it. I just like, with what's going on outside, I figured maybe people will rise up. So the scenes that you create, the same, are so graphic that you could smell the rancid air, then see the dead animals and the actions of Shika. So why a panther and what other, I think a lot of people would like to turn into different things. So what other shapes could he take? I mean, I, I, there were days I'd like to be something else too. Well, see, well, Stryker is is in the form of a black panther. Now, the world that I built was, it's mm -hmm. not just free. In other words, that doesn't just happen. Like he has someone in charge over him. And so the one in charge, we call them um, his captain. Now, his captain is the one who gave Stryker the authority to take a form, and certain forms cost more than other forms. And so, like, the Black Panther was a relatively expensive form that he could take. So Stryker was not – I mean, he's a ranger, and, you know, I called him that for – on, you know, on purpose, it kind of brings, like with military terms, it kind of brings about a certain, um, a certain image of, of like who this guy is. But this guy, like he's not, he's not wealthy um, himself, so he has to take his existing form. And actually, he has to be careful because if his form, if his form dies, you know, it, it, it's not like his his captain is just going to give him another one. You know, it's like 
it's expensive to be able to do this. And, uh, and, and so, it, in other words, it's not, it's not easy. And so could he take other forms? Absolutely. And, and uh, there is one particular demon that is very, very wealthy, and that's slaughter. And um, he just changes forms at will. One time he's an eagle. Um, next time he's a bear. Um, you know, he's, he's a spiritual form. It's, like he, mm. it's almost like he's flaunting. It's, it's like he's flaunting his wealth because he is a very, very wealthy demon. And, um, and so that's uh, – so Stryker theoretically could take any form. It's just that he's at the mercy of whoever's in charge of him. And, of course, he has his own aspirations. He wants to become a captain, a captain himself. And so there's, there's, there's that whole conflict there with his, uh, his old captain who sent him on a, I mean, his captain sent him on a mission, again, to clear the way of the enemy ahead of this migrating tribe because, you know, the, his captain and this, and this tribe, like their shaman, they have this agreement where they, they like, you know, make the way safe for them. And, um, and lo and behold, here's this, this enemy that shows up and, and, and there's conflict there with regard to now he, he gets discovered in this place that he's not supposed to be. He gets, you know, allied with a new captain, Slaughter, and who's a much more vicious captain and, and, and unmerciful. And, um, you know, so we get to see the whole world through the eyes of, of a demon and, and actually see what, well, see what motivates him. That's interesting. But he sees his sister. What is she trying Mm -hmm. to tell him? And who is Kiona? Because the purpose of it is to try to save her. Or maybe not. Right. So so you've got um, Gabby's spirit who who shows up periodically as Michael. And, you know, we we talk a lot about the spiritual world. Honestly, the spiritual world is only a few chapters in the entire book. Um, And so the bulk of the book is, is our hero running around. Fighting, fighting a lot, and um, and just trying to trying to do something good for Pete's sake. It's like you really want this guy to win. You want him to figure out the mystery. And you want him to like win and get back. And so Gabby shows up periodically at, at key points where where just to guide him. She's like these little things. She doesn't say specifically you need to go here and do this. But she just kind of guides him, and some of the advice is quite cryptic. Like, mm. you know, some of it is, like, he's sitting there going and he's arguing with her one time, and, and she's like, you know, listen, it's not about you. Why are you assuming that you're here because of you? Maybe it has nothing to do with you. And um, that's honestly a huge life lesson um, for him, for, for the reader, hopefully, as well. I mean, I know I learned it uh, a lot later than, than I wish I had. But um, it's just uh, it, it, Gabby shows up to kind of guide him along the way, not in real specific ways, but just to kind of give him nudges in the right direction. And so then as he's going along the way, there is, um, there is another hero that, that we get introduced to, and that's Kiona. And Kiona is so there are two warring. Uh, just to back up one second, there are two tribes, the Algonquin tribes. There's the Abenaki and the Mi'kmaq. Abenaki generally were more peaceful. Mi'kmaq generally, this is historically accurate as well, at least for my research. Mi'kmaq were generally considered more warlike, and so 
you know, we have to have somebody be the bad guy. So in this case, the, the, the Micmac turned up to be the bad guys this time. So Kiona is the daughter of the Micmac shaman. So the bad tribe's shaman. Um, she's the daughter, but yet she, she is introduced and, and she is trying to break free of, um, she's a, you know, we don't know her exact age, but let's put her somewhere from 16 to 20. And she's trying to break free of her mother's control. Her mother is extremely controlling, but a very, very powerful and wise and respected shaman. So the Micmac shaman, very, very powerful. Um, and, and Kiona is trying to break free of her mother's uh, tyranny and control because she mm-hmm. sees, even though she's very respected, she sees what her mother does. She's starting to see, I should say, what her mother does as being actually um, detrimental in the long run to, to the tribe um, because the mother is the one that has... Um, that has advised their tribe to kidnap the chieftain's daughter. And, mm. and you know, Kiona's sitting here going, and she's actually befriended. Um, it's, it's um, you know, Astrid is her name, but, you know, anyway, she's befriended Astrid. And she sees, hold on, we're holding this person against their will? You know, that, that breaks our, they had the three truths um, back then, and that broke one of the three truths. It's kind of like that wasn't spiritually, that just wasn't a good thing. And so she starts to see that her mother would say certain things, but her actions were completely different. And so Kiona um, comes along, and um, really it, it's interesting because the spiritual gift of her mother we see very well may reside in her as well, um, yet un, unnoticed. And, uh, and so Kiona and, uh, ends up getting, um, Michael and Kiona end up working together to help free the, the chieftain's daughter. That is a little bit of a spoiler, so sorry for any listeners, um, but uh, <laughs> I'm sure you, saw, you guys saw that one coming. But uh, basically, Kiona is the love interest as well. And, um, but she's a very powerful character. It was interesting because um, it came out of my, my, my I call it um, my AA class. It's uh, Authors Anonymous. <laughs> but there's this, this class that I, I would go to, and uh, we would critique each other's work. And, and someone said, hey, this is a really great story so far, but you need to get a female point of view in here um, because you want to make sure you, you appeal to all types of readers and so I was like, I thought about it, and I was like, you know what? I know exactly what it needs to be. And so that's where, where Kiona um, was introduced. And, um, and I, I introduced her. I don't know. I'll stop talking here in a second and let you ask the questions. But anyway, I introduced her with, mm-hmm. you know, showing the conflict very, very clearly between her and her mom, her mom basically trying to drown her. And, um, and so that was, you know, that hopefully set the stage for the, for the conflict between her and her mother and, and just Kiona, kind of like Michael, just trying to do the right thing. Yeah, she was a nice to her. But there are three other characters. I'm sitting here with the book in front of me, making mm-hmm. sure. We can't forget about Slaughter. Whoa. Half Down. Oh, yeah. And, Spear, and Spearface. So where did they come into okay. it? You don't want to meet these guys either, people. I love Spearface. Okay, but I'll talk about Slaughter first. So Slaughter was yeah, Slaughter um, is cool. 
Yeah, he's from my imagination. So just to give the listeners a little bit of background, because I've been talking about, there are so many characters in this. I didn't even really realize that I, I had, you know, one of the biggest compliments from another author. She said, you know what? You did a great job weaving a very, very complex story in a way that I could understand and follow it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I was just like, thank you. That was, that was probably one of the biggest compliments I, I had received. She's like, you know, you did a good job keeping it all straight. I actually kept it straight. So I'm going to try to do that for the, for the listeners now. So in the spiritual world, you have um, regions, like you have these different regions there in, you know, in Maine, and it's different demons in charge of different regions. And then you have a hierarchy of demons. You know, you've got rangers that are kind of the people that actually go and do the work. But then you've got these captains that are in charge of the regions. Slaughter was very simply a, a region. He was a captain of, of a region. So what happened was, um, and again, just as a little bit of backstory, our, uh, the gentleman, the, the demon that we see through his eyes, the panther that I was talking about, he had to go from one region his, his own captain's region, and sneak into Slaughter's region. He wasn't supposed to be there, actually punishable by death. You know, he could not be there, but he, you know, this is what he does. He's good at this. So he sneaks in there, and then through his eyes we see Slaughter. And Slaughter is, um, is a very gorgeous, um, beautiful demon, but one which is just absolutely built for violence. And um, so literally his fingernails are, are swords. Um, he's got this, this, these long, uh, multicolored uh, dreadlocks. He's got this huge scaled body of cobalt blue. He's got these talons around his, his, uh, his legs that are uh, venomous. And they like literally when he is, when he is confronting um, you know, the good, <laughs> the good spirit anyway, like they're literally dripping yellow venom and just, uh, he's, he's, he's built for violence, but he's absolutely stunning and beautiful to look at, like almost to a sensual, to a sensual point for, for our demon. Um, and so that's who Slaughter is, and he is firmly in control of his area. And the way that you're firmly in control is worship. So that's worship in the demon's world is the currency. That's the wealth. You have to build this world so you know why people do things. And slaughter was well-worshipped. So the, um, the people, the Micmac, like they didn't realize what they were doing, but they were empowering this demon to a, a huge degree. So that's who slaughter is. Um, his, his only thing in this is to... Um, his, his desire is just to maintain his power, maintain his control, even grow it and increase it. And uh, so that's his motivations. Um, we see him a few times, but he's not a main character. The spear face is a precious old man. So um, there are family ties here that I'll mention here in a second. But spear face, when, when, when our hero Michael... Uh, gets into a fight with the main um, with the main Viking um, that is leading the raiding party. He gets into a fight. They they end up parting ways. You know, Michael runs off. He has to. He is like forced off by himself. Um, he's wounded. He he runs until he's exhausted. He passes out and he wakes up in the wigwam of Spearface. And Spearface is. Um, 
we learn it was actually the the uh, the husband of a shaman. He himself was not a shaman, but he's a husband of a shaman that had uh, had you know he had been um, exiled from his tribe. He had to leave. The shaman had to leave, and uh, so his you know he's by himself though he has been. His wife had died years ago, so he'd been by himself so long. He finds our hero like passed out in the woods, brings him in, nurses him back to health, but. But Spearface, he's called Spearface because he has tattoos on his face that are in the shape of spears. And, um, and so, like, as he's, as we, we learn that Spearface mentally, he's been by himself a long time. <laughs> and so he actually, he's got a little bit of schizophrenia going on because he, he's actually talking mm. and it decreases mm. throughout the, throughout the, the book as he, as he gets more interaction with people. But he's actually talking to himself and, and to another personality that, that, you know, he has made up. Um, but bottom line is, like I say, with, with the introduction of our, of our hero and, and other, um, other you know, people come about and around him, that, that uh, schizophrenia kind of starts to wane and, 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 and go away. But we find out that he is the grandfather of Kiona, um, mm. and and also the oh, I'm trying to keep it all straight even in my own mind. Also the brother of the shaman of Abenakis. So he is like this bridge between the shaman of the two warring tribes. They don't even know he's alive. Um, he, you know they thought he was that he had run off that he had been killed years and years and years ago. But um, in fact, he hadn't actually gone all that far. And um, lo and behold, here's Michael that shows up and he shows, uh, Spearface shows great wisdom and kindness and kind of, you know, nurses him back to health and sort of points him in the direction that he needs to go. And uh, you really end up rooting for Spearface a lot. He, and he does, he does a great job of, of filling a need. He helps bring the, the, uh, the warring factions together and, and uh, actually does a good job in, in the final battle himself as well, even though he's an old man with a basically just a sharp stick. <laughs> he uh, ends up doing a good job in that final scene. No, he does. Now, before I forget, on, on Wednesday, the author of Dead in the Water will be here, Jean de Beauvoir, on the 18th. Somebody we low and love, Vincent Zandri, Paradox Lake. You want to read something scary? You never go to a hotel ever again after you go to this one. On the 20th, we have Philip Margolin, um, Dennis, uh, John Land, Stephen James, and I, forget, I can't see my, can't read my own handwriting. That doesn't help. And Stephen James and Alan Jacobson. And Dennis, mm-hmm. Palmer, we, uh, we're going to talk about um, whatever comes to my mind. Actually, how, how do characters? How do you create the conflict in characters? And how do the characters deal with their enemies? And on the 24th, we have Alan Topol, Lance Russo, um, Philip Margolin, and Jim Nesmith, and we're going to talk about how do you bring your your career in your in your work. And on the oh, wow. uh, 26th, I'm not, yeah, I, I do crazy things. On the 26th, I'm not sure if Minister Sam is going to be there, but on the 2nd, Dick Belsky with his new book, if I hope they send it to me really fast. And the 3rd, 
um, the day before I died about a true story about a man that wanted to commit suicide but doesn't. I've been getting some strange things to read, people. And I am totally honored that Don Donald Bentley is taking over uh, the the uh, Clancy series June seventh. He's coming on my show first. First interview for Target acquired, and I hope they send the book to me first too because I have to read five hundred pages. But we'll hope we'll see what happens. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I can't. I can't believe it. Yeah, somebody. I read a book yesterday, and the publisher said, "Can you put him on your show?" And I felt so bad because the next date I have is September. I have nothing. Mm-hmm. Absolutely nothing. It's scary. Yeah. So, well, how how did you create the scenes between Slaughter and Stryker, and how does that change the directions for Stryker? Okay. So. Um, Slaughter discovers Stryker. So as, as I described before, Slaughter, I'm sorry, yeah. Stryker sneaks into Slaughter's region. He's, he's trying to do all this covertly, um, and Slaughter discovers him and, uh, and basically steals him. He's like, you don't work for your old captain anymore. That guy's inept. He, he basically insults the other guys, the, the other captain. And he's like, you're working for me now. And he's like, I don't, I don't care how you do it, um, because he, anyway, there, there had been some limitations on what, on what our um, striker was allowed to do in order to kill this guy. And, and, and Slaughter's like, I don't care what you do, to, you, you do to do it, just kill him, and and get him out of here. And so that was, uh, that was how Striker kind of changed directions. He changed owners real quick. Um, mm. You know, now whether his old owner would just release him, I don't know. The bottom line is it, it doesn't matter because his his life depended on it. Um, demons don't actually die. What happened would be he would be he would be thrown out of his, his bodily form and into a place called the abyss. And uh, the abyss is just where you go when you're not serving a captain. You have nobody. Nobody owns you. You're in the abyss, and it just absolutely terrifies them. And so that's the motivation for Stryker to get the work, to get his work done. Um, but you know what? He again, and it's only it's interesting because it's only a few chapters that we see the world, the spirit world, mm. but they're very powerful because um, we we don't really we, we know that there is a, a force of good. Which suspiciously looks an awful lot like Gabby, <laughs> um, you know, a force of good, which is actually fighting in the scenes for our hero. Um, and so Stryker comes against him several times, and just and, and, and really is is not able to, anyway, win against the, uh, you know, the, the, the we'll, we'll call her Gabby. But nonetheless, um, there is a, a very violent confrontation. And I won't tell you what happens, but there's a very violent confrontation eventually between Maytok and Stryker. They meet not in the spiritual world, but in the physical world. So basically, Maytok gets attacked by a Black Panther. <laughs> and, um, and the ensuing fight's very interesting. You know, Actually, I learned. Yeah, like in how, and I will give a little bit. Now, this isn't a big spoiler. This is just a little spoiler. So, I read in, in my research that there was a um, there was a Maasai uh, farmer. Um, this is out in Africa who was attacked by a lion, 
And when he was attacked by a lion, all he had was, like, he had nothing. He was attacked by a lion, and he says he heard God say to him, with the tongue out. So he literally reached in, like, to this lion that is mauling him, grabbed the lion's tongue, and tore it out. So that's what, with his strength, he tore it out. And the lion died. He bled to death. Um, and so this is, uh, you know, he was obviously the Maasai tribesman. He lived to tell about it, but he was, he was pretty worse for the wear. I put that in the book. I was like, you know, that's got to, that is a fantastic idea. And it just really mm-hmm. spoke a lot to what, to, to, to what needed to happen. And uh, so long story short is, yes, there's this, this epic battle between um, our hero and, and this Black Panther. And, and, yeah, it's a small spoiler, but, yeah, our hero ends up winning. And, uh, and, 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 but uh, now this I won't give you the spoiler on, but it doesn't mean the demon goes away. And, and the demon does, just continues on. And uh, it's interesting, even in the very last chapter. Yeah. Now, let's get to the person that they're trying to save. Tell us about Astrid and how trying to free her. She uh, she was not that easy to to, to free, from what I remember. No, no. So Astrid is the the chieftain's um, daughter. So uh, the the Vikings came and and had settled in, in, uh, in Vinland, and they had made some... And actually, if you look, read the, the stories about it, I mean, the documentation, we'll call it, like the, their interactions with the natives in real life just were not all that friendly. Um, and so it's not a stretch at all to be able to say, like, okay, they settled. They tried, in, in my story, they tried to make um, some, uh, some friends and, and, and to settle peaceably, but that just ultimately did not really happen. And so what happened was Astrid was Chieftain's daughter. She was kidnapped by the Micmacs before they migrated south for, for the wintertime. I mean, for the, um, before they migrated anyway, because these tribes would migrate periodically. And um, so they kidnapped her and took her along. Um, the idea was, and this is what the shaman advised them, was so that they can assure peace. Because if they've got the Chieftain's daughter, you know, they're not going to get attacked because they're like, we'll kill the chieftain's daughter. That's, that's what they're using. So Astrid, though, is just a sweet spirit. Like, even she's, she's nice even to her captors. Um, she's a strong, um, she's a very strong personality, but yet she is, um, she is a sweet spirit, and that's what, that's what wins her over to Kiona, who ultimately ends up uh, saving her and, and leading and, 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 you know, her and, and uh, getting her out of the control of, of the Big Mac. So we don't dive into Astrid's fault a lot other than that. Say that she was the, the, the daughter of the chieftain and uh, a really sweet spirit and someone that you want to that free. So where, where did you, well, first of all, I forgot to ask this question. Michael had mm-hmm. a different name. What did they call him? How did they come up with Nature. a different name for him? Me talk, right? Yep, yep. So, in, yep, in his current world, chapter one, in the last chapter, he's Michael. But as he's back in the old world, like, he literally was in the body of someone else, and that person was Maytok. And, and Maytok was a young, kind of studly um, uh, Viking and also related to 
the the chieftain as well. So so in a sense, although the, in a I'll say this, uh, Astrid was his path. Um, so the uh, Vikings could have they sometimes so had multiple wives. So where do you anyway. see Kiona winding up? How did you create the final scenes with her? And where does where do, where do you see her winding up, Kiona? I like Kiona. Okay. Yeah, Kiona Kiona's awesome. She's she is uh she's a very strong woman and yeah. uh or I she and my um well may talk Michael, I, I called her I I wanted to make sure I at least started the name with the same character M just so people could kind of keep it straight. Um so uh so anyway, Kiona ends up helping uh May talk free his sister, and but see that like it's already the stage has already been set for her to leave her tribe because why she she wants to leave she wants to leave her tribe because her mom is just depressing or the the um and and the the shaman of the Micmac and there's just a lot of a lot of tension there and she and and Maytok, um are you know there's there's nothing actually that happens between the two but there's definitely a, a connection there and um, and she ends up leaving and helping them rescue Astrid out of out of the clutches of, of her uh, deceitful mother and um, another one she takes with them another one of, of, of the warriors who had actually fallen in love with the prisoner Astrid. And yeah. uh, so ultimately, yeah. you've got these these two couples who are fleeing from the Micmac, where they wind up, but with the Abenaki, and that's that's the peaceful, the relatively peaceful tribe. I mean, they're not perfect, they're relatively peaceful, though. And so uh, that is what leads up, you know, with the Abenaki basically sheltering these fugitives. That's what sets the stage to lead up to this final epic battle between, well, everything from Vikings to Indians to um, in the spirit worlds even involved as well. Well, her mother so, said that so people have bad spirits or not, too. She's scary. She's really scary, that yes. mother. Yes, and the and, and a lot of that came from again this interview with this this precious shaman that um, mm. you know that that it's just very very interesting how they see the world. Well, at least this particular one uh, that I was privileged to to you know view the interview of um, just the way that they the spirit world isn't. Very, I'll say it this way: like I remember my my uh, my agent was like she's like well. And, and, and I love her to death, but she had a comment, you know, something along the lines of, mm. of you know, like, we, we understand better or we know better that these things don't exist. And I didn't say anything at the time, but bottom line is the shaman that, that was interviewed is, you know, a very, very intelligent person. And, like, their world experiences are very mm. valuable. And, um able to say that, well, that actually doesn't exist. Well, maybe it does. To them, it most certainly, this gentleman that in this interview, it really existed. It really was a real thing. And um, that really so good. that's what I tried. Yeah, I just tried to portray it as, as real as I possibly could. Well, that's what made it more realistic because you actually had the right information. So, 
I just noticed at the end of my book here, you have another mm-hmm. chapter of another book. Is that what is next for you, The Son of Blackbeard? I saw that. Yes. Yes, that's the one I'm I'm doing now, and and it's interesting because it's a uh, um it's just what's in my head, you know. Um, I'm probably two thirds, maybe three quarter of the way through that book, and it's just oh nice. You know, it's, it's, it's what I've got. It's what I've got now, you know. I can't uh, I can't get out of my like when when Vestman's Gale, you'll notice is a, is a very large departure from my military thrillers. Um, you know, the writing is very similar. You know, there's a lot of action, um, you know, complex plots, uh, characters that you really can get behind and root for. So there, there's a lot of that still there, but it's a pretty strict departure. It's a story that was in my head, my daughter. So are you going to well, bring the Recall with, series back? Oh, I may. Um, that's a very good question. I, I, I may. So don't, don't hold me to <laughs> it. But... Um, it would be, I just, like all authors, it's like you have to write what's in mind. And that's one of the beautiful things, like, doing this for me. Like, I don't make, like, you know, an author is not my bread and butter. Like, yeah. in other words, if the book does great, if the book does great, that's wonderful. If it doesn't, it's like I still make my living. You know, I make a good living doing what I'm doing. So the beautiful thing is I can do write other genres, just like in the middle of a very successful genre, like mm-hmm. a very successful you know, you know what, instead of writing book number four, I'm going to write this other book that is just burning in my spirit that I've got to write. And it really gave me the freedom to be able to do that. Ditto's with The Son of Blackbeard. Um, it's more along the lines, it's, it's still a young, um, for a, maybe a younger uh, audience, it still involves uh, you know, a man that's 18 to 20 years old, young man, 18 to 20 years old, another young woman, 18 to 20 years old, um, and uh, but it it and it's it it there's still another world that gets built, uh, but uh, it's more of a science fiction. But to answer your question, that is the book that I'm working on now. It's a science fiction about um, how there there are two races of aliens that are on this earth that have always been on this earth. And we are either one or the other. And just discovering which one our, our hero is and, and how he goes about um, you know, dealing with the conflict and the war that is constantly going on and has been going on throughout history, but just we've never seen. Um, so it's like I say, it's a it's it's a science fiction, but um, not like a not like a you know, on some spaceship science fiction. It's a science fiction that takes place right here on Earth. That was interesting. So before we go, we have a couple of minutes left. Where can everybody find out more about you, your work, and when is the next book coming out, and when am I getting it? I have to ask those questions. Okay, so, <laughs> well, you can always read more find out more or contact me through my website. The easiest way to get my contact info and all that, just remember my name, David McCaleb, and uh, davidmccaleb.com is the website. Uh, you can find out, you can follow me on, on Facebook or Instagram, Twitter, whatever mm-hmm. the social media site is. And uh, if you want the book, the is probably just go to Amazon and uh, search for uh, either my name, David McCaleb, and it'll come up where you can search for Vestman's Gale. Uh, Vestman's is spelled with a B. 
stands for um, that's Western. Was I guess the course it's it, it stands for Western men, but it's best like B-E-S-T-N-E-N, apostrophe S, G-A-L-E, Gale standing for storm. Well, I just want you to know that I posted the very first five stars this morning at six o'clock. This morning. Oh well, thank you. That I did. Awesome. And I truly, Amazon, I truly, which is rare, five seconds later said, "Thank you for your wonderful review." They did. Oh. So well, it was it was there, and I said, "See, my sister had this thing. She always said to me, when you do something, you have to be first.' She drove me crazy. But anyway, before I end this show, everyone, just one small ask: please be careful when you go outside. Wear a mask and stay safe. It's very important during this time of the year. And when you walk in the street, say hello to people. Say hi, even if you don't know who they are. I do. I, oh, I know. Yeah. I, it very just bothers good. me when I walk in the street and see somebody that I don't that I know, and they look at me and say hello. I go like, who is that? I'll always answer. I'll always say good morning, oh. and hello. And yeah, as a matter of fact, when I walked into the. Um, pharmacy the other day she said um i haven't seen you in a while and we miss you i go well i'm here now to drive you crazy no problem (laughs) you know know, people need to start being nice but i this was fantastic do you do um if i do any more panel shows do you do panels too but this is fun absolutely absolutely that's great i don't know how it is by you but here it's nasty. It's going to rain. Oh, well, so on. Everybody, thank you, David. Everybody have a great day, and bye. Oh, thank you.